Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to this Mountain West Wire Basketball Podcast, a Friday edition, which is can be any day of the week because we record whenever we're free and when we have time. So that's what we're doing today. That's right. MWR.com. Check us out. We got um, all sorts of random and uh, great basketball stuff going up. It's Eli Betker, who's uh, just knows finally melted away, sort of, up in yeah, Seattle. Finally. <laughs> Gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting more in the mood of March Madness now that we can kind of push away winter, but the snow is still kind of hanging on. Oh, man. It's uh, soon it'll be warm. Soon you'll be in Las Vegas because I'll be nice and That's warm right. in a couple weeks. Which, so. which currently has snow right now. I know, I saw that. I'm like, I just can't avoid it. <laughs> you cannot, I think it'll be gone by then, but it's not just snow, it's actually sticking snow, which is even crazier. Yeah. Because I grew up in Houston, Texas, obviously warm. It would snow maybe like once a decade, like not very much, and not even yeah. stick really. We just have the lovely ice storms where power lines and trees fall over because it's 35 degrees or it's like freezing overnight, then it rains and things are so cold it freezes and the pine trees snap in half, power lines and ice everywhere because they don't have equipment to take care of icy stuff sounds magical jeremy not even close now <laughs> now i just get feet of snow i'm like yeah you can deal with it school's in session doesn't matter it's like come on there's two feet of snow not a big deal we're ready to like oh, man. jeez man so i told my airport story so i'm not going to get into it again except for i drove the same way yesterday and i'm like how could i not see like scores of houses or schools literally 20 feet away from me Oh my goodness. It was, it was nighttime, but still, I went the same way to where I was going. I'm like, let's just take a look and see. I was not close to falling off the road like I thought it was. I was just close to a construction <laughs> crane, which was level ground for a while. So I'm like, all right, I'm good. But let's get some hoop stock. Um, I guess uh, we got to talk about the uh, Aztecs are much better than Nevada for sure, right? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's that was the case on Wednesday night. Three straight times they beat Nevada going back to the Mountain West Conference Tournament. And uh, whatever the prior game was last year. However, before we get to that, remember your bold preseason predictions? Yeah, that, that has been in the back of my mind a little bit. The one where the championship will come down to the final day of the season. Mm-hmm. It's a quite possibility because we, not half joking, but mentioned last week, Utah State, all you got to do is win out and you get the conference title if, if Nevada loses once and that's in play. Do you, so. do you remember what the tiebreaker is for that? I'll have to look at the split the season series. I maybe I could look while we record here, but they would split. Um, I am. I'm wondering if it's common opponent, just because. I think so. There's it's an unbalanced schedule, and I'm pretty sure probably. Well, no, I, I can't say pretty sure because Nevada's lost to New Mexico, which is way at the bottom, and Utah State has lost to. I should just pull it up. Nevada once, obviously, and Fresno. I want to say right. Yeah, Fresno and San Diego State. Oh, that's where they have three losses. So. That'd be interesting because if they split versus San Diego State, well, we'll look into it. See, I don't want to guess and ramble off why they're doing this or what's going on, but I'll look it up. But after that game early in the week, I guess it's going to be recorded after. 65-57, San Diego State over Nevada. And I'm guessing, let's, let's first off, let's say this. Does this knock Nevada clearly out of a protected seed? Uh, it's, it's very damaging. It was an opportunity for Nevada to get a quality road victory, which... They haven't really done since non-conference play. Uh, it, but their overall team sheet is just so lacking still. 
Uh, no quadrant one victories. Their best, one of their best wins was against Fresno State, um, and Fresno State took a massive hit losing at home to Air Force, and they've yeah. almost completely played themselves out of an at-large bid. Mm-hmm. So Nevada's best win right now is home against Utah State, and that is not going to fall into quadrant one, probably unless Utah State beats Nevada. But then again, if Nevada loses once more, there's uh, there's almost no way that they play into that protected seed. So things are looking really dicey. And even beyond just seeding, where this team stands in their ability to advance in the tournament, they, they have some legitimate concerns here. And that's what San Diego State was able to expose on Wednesday. So it concerns. We know Nevada, they, but they shoot to three and get don't shoot well. They're only 7-25. They had uh, one starter score zero points. It's uh, what Martin scored five points in 40 minutes. Which one was that here? Uh, Cody was like, come on, you play a whole game and get five points. Part of it is we've seen all the time, like even going back to like a couple years ago, Iowa State, like they just hold the ball, shoot pass, don't pass, shoot three-pointers. And if they're terrible, like Caleb went three of ten. It's like you had Caroline 0 for five. Like that's a big deal. They're at 28% from the field, or excuse me, three-point field. We've seen that where if they shoot poor from there, they're going to lose – and they they were never in the game, really. They are down nine at halftime. Second half made a little bit of a run, but when teams let them shoot threes and, like, fine, take it, we'll eliminate everything else. And when they don't make it, that's, to me, like their biggest weakness overall is that when they aren't shooting well from three-point range, that's really going to kill them because they still – I get it, you shoot until you make it because you think you're going to make it every time. But at some point, when they're not going through and you're down by eight, 10, 12 points, do something else, and teams will just zone you up and let you shoot it. And – that's interesting because three-point shooting is what exposed San Diego State earlier in the year. Yes. <laughs> and so if this game was played in November or December, I think Nevada would have just ran the Aztecs. Um, but it's a credit to San Diego State and what they've done defensively over these last few weeks, and they've been playing as well as they have since probably last March. Uh, but Nevada, again, there are some concerns when one of their starters has an off night. Uh there probably just isn't enough there to to beat a team that's as physical and um, as, I don't know, unscared as San Diego State, I guess, because the Aztecs, and we mentioned this just briefly before we started recording here, I can confidently say that SDSU is the only team in this conference that isn't afraid of playing Nevada. And a lot of these guys were on the team last year when the Aztecs obliterated Nevada in the conference tournament and also beat them at home. And so there's obviously a bit of that momentum from last year, but I just still think that everyone else that has played Nevada is more or less playing pretty scared. I guess New Mexico is a bit of a um, an anomaly there with what they did earlier this season. See, but, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, what I was going to say is, like you mentioned, physical, like uh-huh. rebounding was an issue, offense rebound, second-chance points were an issue. Like they were out rebound by by nine, doubled up in offense rebounds. They could not like it's joking. I think it's UNLV stat. You got to miss them to get those offensive boards or something. Mm-hmm. But when you out rebound by that much and like at least six extra opportunities to score points on the offense rebounding edge, there that could be as many as anywhere if you shoot six to uh, eighteen points. If it's a free throw every time, or if it's uh, you know what I mean, like there's a big swing there when you get doubled up by that, and there's uh, extra possessions, all those type of things, and. Again, like right, if they have one guy's off, like only one guy scored double figures for Nevada. Nobody yeah, and, came close and everybody played. And even Caleb Martin was like five of fourteen. It's like Jordan Caroline, who we all think is underrated, 
possibly their best player overall, had six points. You can't have your best player score six, eight he or eight points for a long time. Sorry, too. eight points. But like if he's considered like your like he's, I don't, I don't know, he might be better than Caleb Martin, but he's like really really good and not getting the consideration. He can't go three to twelve. So like you got to score somehow. They didn't go the free throw line. There's only like. 20 only but they usually get at least like what do they go 30 times a line typically it seems like more than 20 and then mm-hmm. again they shot only 60 percent from there and so like if they make a few more things like get one extra rebound make a few more free throws maybe they win but it's also look at the mexico new mexico game also on the road they lost and this was like i'm not saying i'm overly shocked they lost but if you think about it besides going back to last year going on the road but the way nevada's been playing leading up to this yeah it's Wyoming, Colorado State, but they obliterated Boise State, who's been pretty good. They beat up on UNLV, who's by almost 17 points, not a close one. They've been playing the best they've been playing ever since, essentially, that close Boise State win. Like, Air Force on, they're winning by, I think, 15-plus points. And so, to lose by double digits, that's the surprising part. Not that they lose on the road, but that they don't play like they've been playing the past, basically, three weeks. Yeah, and, and the other thing that is probably worth mentioning is just how frustrated Nevada can appear to be when they're not playing as they usually are. And th- things just got really out of hand in that San Diego State game. Um, technical fouls were given. Jordan Caroline picked up a technical foul. And just uh, just all playing out of sorts for the Wolfpack. And that's what happened against New Mexico. That's what happened uh, in the Mountain West Tournament when they trailed by, I think, as many as 34 against San Diego State in the uh, um, Mountain West Conference Tournament. So... Uh, we did mention earlier this year how it seemed the Wolfpack had a ton of resolve and were able to come back from those early deficits, but against a team that is very physical and not afraid of their opponent, to fall into an early hole and not be able to pick up that momentum and see shots fall, that's going to be uh, a huge detriment for Nevada and, and could potentially be the reason why they get eliminated from the NCAA tournament. Because it wouldn't surprise me. Like I, Even though going into the year, I'd, maybe my mind changed a bit, but... We've seen, like you mentioned, we've seen all those comebacks. We've seen everything from everything. New Mexico, the crazy Cincinnati, uh, Texas, all that stuff. But here's the thing. Let's just say, because right now, Bracket Matrix, which is all the, uh, uh, they compile, what, 70? They're actually up to 115 brackets right now. They still have an average of a Nevada as a four seed. Which, but then you see some have a seven seed, some have a six, a lot of, one has an eight seed. I don't know how accurate that is. They're all these are all updated from two to or almost um, well, a couple are before, so maybe it's a little bit skewed because a few are like the eighteenth, I think. So most of them are up to date. About I'd say about eighty percent are, but like if they're a five seed and they get to play like Temple, or I don't think Lips, who knows if Lipscomb or Belmont get in there, but if they play like Alabama or I, maybe they'll play Arizona State again. Who knows? Like. They could be like a first round one and done if they play anything close to this. Even though they could be, this team has a, what I'm saying is has the biggest swing of first round loss or going to the final four. That wouldn't surprise yeah, me yeah. either way. I would not over. I'd be more surprised. Okay, obviously I would be more surprised if they lose in round one. I would be more surprised at that. Like I'd give them a fight to pick final four or first round loss. Actually, I've changed my mind. I might lean to a first round loss more likely, which is probably sensical if you think about it. But for the talent they have, neither would overly surprise me. I'd be like, oh, they lost. That's kind of crappy. I could, but I could see it coming. Or they go to the Final Four. Oh, yeah, they're good enough. I could see them getting that far. Both those extremes are very likely possibility, in my opinion. 
You would say that that's probably similar to what we thought of Nevada heading into last year's NCAA tournament, right? I mean, uh, probably not Final expectations Four. weren't weren't as high, but we knew that the team was capable of losing in the first round to Texas or making at least a run to the second weekend. Which we saw because they almost lost to Texas. Probably should have lost to Texas. Yeah. So that's I don't know. That is that too extreme to say that? Like, if I were to put a, a bet on either of those, like. I don't know. I just I kind of talked myself out of it, but it's pretty almost even to say they could do both. But because you don't hear that from because they're a flawed team, part of it is a little bit because they're seeding. They might be better than their seed, but when you play like go three and over to Pac-12, but all those Pac-12 teams aren't very good. Utah, Arizona State, and USC not that great. Grand Canyon's okay. They're not going to win the Wacken, I believe, this year. So it's like who are they playing? And so maybe that hurts their seeding, but. Like, like have they beat – let's just say they replaced – like, I know that's kind of dumb to go out and say, but say they beat a couple better teams. Like, say they have th- – say all those Pac-12 teams were quadrant one wins. Would that – how like, what difference would that be in their seeding? Would they still be probably a three or four even this Aztec loss if they have two the whole year? If they if, if they had three more quadrant one wins, I think they'd be at least a seed line higher. Okay. But that, that's a big deal. So, I'm just yeah. trying, trying to think about where they could be or what they would be because they scheduled – like, their schedule is not bad. A couple of Pac-12 teams, like I said, neutral, two neutral in a road, right? Weren't the – was eight? No. Yeah, yeah, two neutral, two road in the neutral because USC was still in L.A. Staples or wherever they played. But they played Grand Canyon, neutral, like pretty good teams. But I, I don't know with this team. Like, people are always super hype and confident. But when you lose like this – and it's not that they were – here's the thing, too. Their defense played well in this game. They, what, 39% allowed against Aztecs. They let a couple of guys score, like, like Watson, Hensley had about 15 each, 30 combined. Jalen McDaniel is only 10. So it's not like they were outplayed. Like, it's not like the – here's where the concern is. It's not like the Aztecs were blazing hot from the field, forcing a million turnovers because they each had 14 turnovers, which isn't great. You know what I mean? Like, had Aztecs mm-hmm. shot 58%, 60% from the field, they were 12 of 16 from three-point range, and they just – and they still won by this amount but played much better offensively, I'd be like, okay, whatever, Aztec. Like the New Mexico game, Aztecs had a an, an out-of-this-world oh, wor- out night. They played as best they could, probably their best game they'll ever play this year, and win. It's like, okay, I could see that. But no, they shoot 39 from the field, 31 from three-point range, barely make half their free throws, and they still win by almost double digits. That's a bigger concern when San Diego State doesn't mm-hmm. think about it. Did they play that great offensively? No. No. And they still won by eight points. That's the bigger concern than getting – winning by the same margin but Aztecs shoot much better that's a bit worse than than you know what I mean like that's the worst outcome yeah I mean what New, what New Mexico did obviously is just such a ridiculous feat and that it won't be replicated again this season that team is just not that good uh, but like you said San Diego State offensively they didn't play that well defensively they did um, and that's the reason that they won the game I think both teams played really well defensively uh, no team scored more than um, nine-tenths of a point per possession, so that tells you a lot. Uh, I think, and I've mentioned this correlation a couple times recently with Nevada kind of in a similar spot that Gonzaga is this time of year, where they really don't have quality opponents that they play on a nightly basis, and so whenever they lose, that's a major concern. I think that's kind of the same boat that Nevada's in right now, because San Jose State is probably the best or second best team that they'll play until the NCAA tournament and probably Utah State excluded and to put out a performance like they did on Wednesday night is just a concern for me because 
they go on the road to play Utah State, they host San Diego State again, and then they'll probably play at least one of those two teams again in the Mountain West Tournament, and that's the best you're going to do. So beyond just the whole team sheet and seeding, is Nevada going to be that ready to play quality teams come the NCAA Tournament? And going back to what you said, I don't think this team is going to lose in the first round. I still think that they're capable of getting to at least the second weekend. Um, but, I mean, Virginia, the top overall seed last year, lost in the first round, so you just never know. And Nevada has flaws. So if their opponents are able to pick up on what makes the opponents tick against Nevada, I think that it could be interesting to see what happens in that first weekend. Well, it's kind of simple, right? Play his own defense. Not that simple, but if you want the basics of basics, play his own. Let them beat you from three. Once they start making them, switch to that. And then that may be your end fall of the opposing team, but that's kind of the main thing. Like, let them shoot three-pointers. And if possible, like, get them in foul trouble because they're still only eight deep, really. But And let, don't let them get to the line. Yeah, yeah which only tw- – I'm not sure what their average per game, but 20, I believe, just thinking about it, is kind of low for them, right? Yeah, they're 26th nationally in free throw rate, so they do get to the line quite often. Because that's what happens if you – if you go man-to-man, then they'll start attacking you and get those easy fouls to go to the hoop. And just mm-hmm. who cares and just chuck it up essentially to make contact, which whatever, whatever you want to feel about that, that happens. <laughs> it's, it's what you do. If you don't want that, well, yeah. yeah, let them like, play in front of them, have a better double, or let them shoot the – it's like do let them – easy layup. Sorry, I tried to say uncontested, but I couldn't. Easier layup by not fouling or not making contact or – get into them, have a foul, what's more valuable to your team, have them shoot free throws more or taking a wild shot because if you notice they go to the hoop and aren't trying to actually score but more contact and then shoot. You know what I mean? Like what would, what are they trying to accomplish on Nevada? I assume you're going to try to make it every time, but if you can draw the contact, just throw it up there and if you make it great. If not, you should make one of two at least yeah. very minimum. So that's like the basic thing. But like you're right, Gonzaga comparison, just that they can't impress anybody more. Like winning, which clearly the past week, or two weeks beating CSU by 40, beating Boise State by 18 points, then Colorado State again by 16. Those aren't impressing anybody because they're hovering in the same spot in the AP poll, coaches poll. Most people still have them about a four seed at the moment. And so there's nothing they can do unless other teams above them lose to climb higher in the overall seeding. And I, I don't know where they'll end up, but like what – like is there any – like there's not really any – any real issue with Nevada? It's just is this just a one game, or is there a pattern? I know we've seen a three point pattern, but anything else like say, oh, doesn't like any concern you really have for them because defense played well, which is better, but three point shooting has always been hit or miss for them. It seems like. Yeah, I mean they're going to be nearly impossible to beat when they're on fire from three point range, and that's what we saw in the games leading up to the San Diego State one. And so, just like you said, teams that are long on the perimeter and able to defend from three-point range are usually going to be pretty successful against Nevada. And just physical teams, if, if Nevada is playing from behind and they just aren't feeling it offensively, that's when the Wolfpack really get in trouble. That's what happened against New Mexico. That's what happened against San Diego State, both this year and last year. Um, so I'm curious to see how they finish out the season. I do think they're still capable of finishing out 5-0 and and, and having that 16-2 and two conference record, which would lead to the number one seed once again and put them in a really good position to uh, win the conference tournament and pick up a protected seed. But, I mean, it's not going to be an easy ride. They have Fresno State at home, which the Bulldogs have been pretty up and down of late. 
They host in-state rival UNLV. Then have to go on the road to play Utah State, which is going to be a fantastic game. I'm, I'm stoked for that one. I need to um, see if I can get down there. You you need to, man. That's gonna, <laughs> That's got to be the game of the year. Uh, and then they wrap up the season at home against San Diego State, which is a game I do think that they should be able to win pretty comfortably. Um, and that is just going to be a ruckus crowd for that one. That's what Kempom says, 91% at the moment. That that seems a bit high to me, but I, I, stu- I still like Nevada's chances in that one. But I'm curious to see where the team goes from here because every time that they have suffered one of these losses or had a, a close win against a weak team, they've really responded nicely. And this could be it, it could be a blessing in disguise for this team. And I know that uh, Musselman had something similar to say last year after that San Diego State loss in the conference tournament, how that really was able to uh, allow the team to reset and figure out what they need to do to move forward in March. And this could be an opportunity for this team to do the same thing because, again, I don't think you would be shocked. I certainly wouldn't be shocked if Nevada just ran through the rest of the conference play won the conference tournament and looked like a team that uh, we thought that they were going to be heading into the season. So uh, two losses in 26 games isn't a lot to freak out about, but um, there still are quite a few things to work on. I would note really quick, they're not playing San Jose State next, so they can't win by a million and a half points. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> not, not quite as easy as a follow-up game. Fres- Fresno at home. But, okay. but let's look at the rest of it real quick. We got the top four. I guess, I guess we – I can't guess. We, I guess we need to consider UNLV because they're only one game in the lost column behind the Aztecs. You have Utah State, Fresno State, San Diego State, UNLV. Fresno lost to Air Force for some reason, which is weird. Not not a good look for them. They're completely out of any at-large. I still, not that I doubt Utah State, but it still seems like they're in the same boat as Nevada, like no great win. So why are they considered? It's just because other teams in their same scenario are not winning. And so, because like, obviously winning Trump's losing clearly in college basketball to get close. I don't think, I would say for them, like at-large consideration, they'd have to, beat Nevada upcoming and then make it to the title game and lose to whoever. And ho- uh, yep. be- be- best case, lose to Nevada, lose to anybody else. It's not the case. Basically be like, uh, not last year, but you know, it is like this if two favorites meet there. Then they lose in a close one where, okay, they beat Nevada once. That might be enough. That'd be, they'd actually be the only team to convert to the Q one win. If they were to beat Nevada mm-hmm. and do that far. So they're in a mix, but like seating wise, it's, it's very close. Does it like, who matches up? I know we're still a couple weeks away. They have Utah State. I think they're – have they separated themselves enough for you over Fresno and even San Diego State who's, who's surging? Um, I think Utah State and San Diego State is probably about a toss-up. I'd like to see those two teams play one another, and um, they do on Tuesday. So that will be a, a really good matchup. I think Fresno State has faded a little bit. They uh, – they started off hot, and just recent performances, I'm not quite sure that they're there yet. Losing at home to Air Force is, as you said, just not a good look. Yeah, and, and it completely tanked their metrics, too. I think any their net rating dropped at least 20 or 25 spots oh, boy. <laughs> on that game alone. And so that they've completely played themselves out of an at-large bid. Um, Nevada, obviously, is still number one. Utah State and San Jose State, I think, is that second tier. And Fresno State... Probably UNLV, but again, they haven't really beaten Good that teams. many teams of substance yet, so I'm still hesitant on them. Uh, but it, the seeding is going to be really interesting because that could completely shake out how this, this bracket is set up next month. It will be, and looking at kind of looking at like you said, the San Diego State Utah State game next next week will be huge. Uh, you did mention I'm gonna pull this up here because you had this good tweet earlier, but um, Dutchers in February. 
Dutcher's uh, mm-hmm. achievements. Yeah, I guess you did a little bit ago. Oh, half hour ago. Good job. Um, <laughs> last year, 13 and 10, finished, ended up going, uh, what's that, 9 and 0 the rest of the way, regular season. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. And so far this year, they went 10 and 8, and now they've gone 7 and 1. What, like, what's, not to say what's the deal with what's going on, but why is, is it a player? Because it's almost the same team. So that's why most people like us were a little bit higher on San Diego State coming in because, oh, they finished well and say tournament, they smoked Nevada, but then they, we knew they were going to be Duke, but then the Xavier game, the other Maui games, Bucknell game, it's like, what's, what's going on? Why is it like, what's the point? They just realize it's time to get better. Is that all kind of it is knowing they can play? It's kind of dumb. You can't can't quantify it's February, get going. It's like, you should be getting going in October, November and December. And it's not like the schedule is much harder or easier. A little, maybe a tiny bit easier because you played like Duke and stuff like that early on, and Xavier and whoever they played. I forget the other team at the moment. Iowa State, I want to say, in Maui. But like, what? What's the re- any rational or tangible evidence why they're getting better at this point uh, of the year again? It's, yeah, it's it's hard to tell. I think I think last year was probably a combination of a number of things. They did have that four game slate. I'm looking back at last year's schedule where they played four, te- four sub-100 Ken Palm teams, and that's when they really started to get it rolling. Mm-hmm. And this year, I don't know if you can really make that same comparison. They did have UNLV, Air Force, and San Jose State, which is a pretty easy three-game slate. Yeah. Um, and th- but then they had that off performance against New Mexico to follow up that three-game winning streak, and that was their first multi-game winning streak against D1 teams since November. So it's hard to tell with San Diego State. I don't know if... Dutcher really has an explanation of why it is that his teams, at least under his guidance, have only been able to turn it around once February and March comes around. But I, I would much rather have that than have the team peak in November and December, which we have seen from some other teams in this conference. All right, so let's wrap up the seeding part really quick. Does it? Is there any matchups that would uh, – because my thinking is that with Boise State being two and a half behind Nevada, UNLV – I'd say the buys are everybody we mentioned. Rebels, Aztecs, Bulldogs, Aggies, and Wolfpack. I'm assuming they're getting the buy. The bottom six will play each other because mm-hmm. I don't think Boise State, especially Boise losing a player today, that's not helpful either. So out of those top, like, do any of the – let me ask you this real quick because I know we'll get to tournament stuff, but I want to ask you this one more question. Are there any teams in the bottom half not getting a buy that would beat any of those top teams? Like, could – I know we like Justin James, what he can do. Can any, like, CSU or anybody, Air Force, anybody, like, bet maybe you could see getting a win just to screw everything up in that first week of the tournament? Yeah, if I had to choose one, um, I think Air Force is pretty intriguing just because they've been capable of beating some good teams this year. But I think I'd probably go with Colorado State. Uh, Yeah, just awful defensively. I mean, just horrible defensively. (laughs) They lost so many points. But... They shoot the ball really well. They're 42nd in the nation in effective field goal percentage. Uh, when they heat up, they can cause some problems. They did hang around with Nevada for quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had some head scratchers. They beat Fresno State at home, which was a really good victory. And so they are able to fill it up. And I think that's all you can really ask for out of one of those bottom teams. And that's why it shows CSU over Air Force because Falcons' offense has just been <laughs> more or less a nightmare this year, even yeah. though they won a handful of games. So I'd probably go with CSU. And Nico Carvacho can hang with any big posts that those quality teams, those top five teams that you mentioned, um, have. And they do have some good guard play. So I'd go with Colorado State. 
What if it's CSU Utah State Quaid over Sonico? There you go. Right. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a fun matchup. I I would love to see that one. I think Kata probably Kata, gives sorry. upper hand, but uh, yeah, I would I would love to see that one in tournament. That'd be a fun matchup. So let's say with Utah State, they like we mentioned earlier, they're considered to be a. I, I I'm surprised a little bit, but not. I I'm sort of surprised, but we mentioned before their bracket matrix has them as the first four out. They're basically a 12 seed across the board, a couple 10 seeds. I guess what it, like what would it take for them? I clearly beating Nevada means they're maybe safe, but like where would they fit in? Like I assume they can't pull Fresno for any loss. Are, I know you do bracket stuff. You read a ton of bracket stuff, like we both do. Are they should they be considered, or is it just because the teams around them aren't bad, make propping them up? Oh, I think it's a combination of both. I think in most years this Utah State team probably wouldn't be considered for an at large, or at least seriously considered. But so many people have hinted at how weak the bubble is this year. You have power conference teams that just seem to want to not get into the tournament. And as recent as a week ago, Indiana, who had lost either 10 of 11 or 11 of 12, was still in consideration. So that just tells you everything you need to know about the bubble this year. Arizona State is still lurking around, and they've been pretty poor in the pack in an awful Pac-12 conference this season. So that has allowed Utah State to at least peek inside to that tournament bubble. And they do have just one quadrant, one victory right now. It's against St. Mary's that they recorded in the second full week of the season. So if they're able to beat Nevada and at least win a game or two in the Mountain West tournament, I think that they're safe. Just need to avoid any bad losses. If they lose on the road to Colorado State, well, any lo- I, would, I think that's probably it. For I'd, them. I'd argue any loss outside Nevada. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm probably uh, Boise State. If they lost that one, that would be bad. I think you know, San Diego State at home, that would be a tough loss too. So, um, if it's a loss against any other team besides Nevada, I think that might be the fork for Craig Smith's team. Yeah, I think we need to start this week. Uh, maybe I'll take it up, like do kind of. A, I haven't done many bracket watches this year because it's Nevada. Okay, who cares? <laughs> Top four seed the whole way. But now I got some intrigue with them losing again. Utah State just. All you, all you can do is win your games. They have won, was it 12 or 13, I think? Six, yeah. Seven, 11, 11 or 12, sorry. Close enough, essentially. 11 or 12, like, and out of losses they've had, like, I was looking, I forget where I was reading it. I forget where, but every loss they've had, none of them are, like, a terrible loss. Like, Arizona State, they're top three in the Pac-12. BYU's top three in the West Coast Conference. Houston's a top 10 team nationally, where they had a lead at halftime, couldn't pull it off. Um, Nevada, we know where they're at. Fresno State, still a top 70 Ken Palm team. Though I guess the only metric bad loss is that Aztecs. And that was a road game, so that gives you a little leeway. But, and San Diego State explained much better of late, too, yeah, so that helps out. Mm-hmm, that helps, too. Where they, I don't know. They're sitting at 131 Ken Palm. I don't know if they can crack top 100. But maybe Aztecs keep winning. And like Here's my thing, too, with Utah State. Let's say San Diego State beats Nevada again. Nevada's still going to be a top... And then Utah State also beats Nevada. That's still a great win. That's still going to be, a, at worst, a top 50 win. Still probably top 40. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like, it's a weird scenario. That actually might help Utah State more in the conference if Utah State wins out, Nevada loses again to the San Diego State, where Nevada's still clearly an at-large... No, I'd say no matter what, right? There's no way they're not in the tournament. Even if they lose every game, yeah, they're in. They're yeah. in. So that's kind of... A, maybe, it can, maybe that's a decent angle to take where write some up, but where for the league to get two leagues or two bids and help Utah State have Aztecs beat Nevada again because I'm pretty sure another win for the Aztecs over Nevada 
And assuming Nevada doesn't screw anything else up, that would easily be a top 100 Ken Palm victory. Yeah, and it's important for San Jose State to finish up the season strong for Utah State's sake because as of right now, San Jose State is 135 in the net rating, Mm -hmm. and that is the very last rating of the Quadrant 2 for away games because um, away games against teams ranked 76 through 135th fall under that second quadrant. So if San Jose State falls even one spot, that'll be Utah State's second Quadrant 3 loss. And because of Fresno State's bad week... Um, Utah State's one-point loss earlier this season in which they led the entire game except the last, uh, what, second and a half. Uh, that game has fallen now from a quadrant two to a quadrant three loss, so that hurts Utah State quite a bit. But the saving grace for this year's team, I would say, is that non-conference schedule because they are 23rd nationally in non-conference strength of schedule, and a lot of that has to do with playing teams on the road. Um, Houston, BYU, UC Irvine... Mm. Um, a lot of those games on the road and then have the neutral win against St. Mary's helps quite a bit. And a lot of the power conference teams that are around the bubble don't have a strength of schedule that matches Utah State, which is kind of interesting, but that could help out the Aggies quite a bit. So they'll lurk around, and if they win against Nevada and finish the season strong, I think uh, there is certainly a reasonable case for Craig Smith to take his team to the NCAA tournament in his first year. All right. One problem with what I mentioned before. San Diego State's projected to go one in five the rest of the way per Ken Palm. (laughs) They're actually expected to lose. That's a 47% chance to win at UNLV. They do have Utah State, so that's the thing, too. It's like, so I can't say Essex went out. So it's like, I still think my point still sort of stands with the San Diego State beating Nevada because Essex have no at-large chance. But the only Mm -hmm. give me is San Jose State because Fresno State's proven to be pretty good. And Aztecs are a road dog, or excuse me, a home dog by a single point. So that will hit the couple things that does that could help out overall with, like I mentioned, getting those wins. But they're going to be tough because if San Diego State goes four and one, or and beats Nevada, that that would give them three top seventy wins on their own at the moment. Or no, mm-hmm. two. Sorry, two because they'd lose Utah State. But I don't know. It's a it's just some fun off weeks. Just pay attention to that little stuff like. I'm, I am going to do a quick write-up about how well, how the best way to chance to get the league for two bids. I still think, am I correct on saying that's the best way to get two bids for Utah yeah, State? Definitely, Either yeah. outside of winning the conference tournament, clearly, because, come on, <laughs> that's a gimme if they don't, to get at-large selection non-Nevada, not like last year. So, all right, we got a little bit of time here because we started late because of me and we need to hustle up. Any, What's the big games this week we need to tell people to pay attention to? Uh, we do have Nevada hosting Fresno State on Saturday. Uh, I do think the Wolfpack will be able to have some resolve and be able to take care of business in that one. Uh, Utah State goes on the road to Boise State, not always an easy place to play. Uh, if Utah State wants to keep pace with Nevada, they obviously have to take care of business in that game. Um, and then UNLV against San Diego State, those two teams uh, did play earlier this year, which was a San Diego State victory by quite a wide margin. It will be interesting to see if the Rebels have figured it out defensively at least and are able to to make that one interesting i do like sdsu in that one do you feel the same yeah i think so even though it's a huge rival it's one of the best in the conference just you know has like i'm not going to count them out at all because they have pretty good players but the way Essex are playing and again until we met, go back to that quote a while ago you with menzies like well we got to beat somebody good we haven't we'll be we'll know how good we are pretty soon and we know they're not very good against teams that are better than them yeah and they yes, Rebels have won three in a row. They air, but the wins again, only ten or fewer point victories over uh, Wyoming, San Jose State, and Air Force. So their wins great, 
but I it'll be I think it'll be it'll be an intriguing fairly close game. But I'd say Aztecs, assuming they don't kind of just uh, fall over after the victory, they should be fine. Yeah, I, I think SDSU needs to. Uh, I don't know. They're playing with some swagger right now. Obviously, they're playing with a lot of momentum, but they mm-hmm. can't get too far ahead of themselves and already start thinking about next week's game against um, against Nevada or I guess the Utah final, State. final week of the season. Um, this next game Tuesday, the twenty sixth. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, so, that game, I'm gonna ask you this: What's the mm-hmm. BPI projected projection? Aztecs at Utah State. Uh, I would say Utah State sixty five percent. No. Not even close. Eighty-three percent for Utah State. Ooh, I don't know, man. I think I'm, it's a little bit tighter than that. I'm thinking previous results are impacting future projections on this yeah. one <laughs> for their season-long numbers. <laughs> where can't they take it to some like? Isn't there a hot streak quota quotient they can put into the program? <laughs> <They're probable>. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know. It'll be that's going to be a huge one too. That will all that really does like if you're looking at us for a league perspective. Like I mentioned before, you want Utah State to win. Yeah. Aztecs have zero chance for an at-large bid. Zero. I promise you that. Nobody, if you're thinking there's a slight chance for Aztecs, if they went out with two wins over Nevada, went over Utah State, which would still be only two Q1 wins, essentially, there's no chance to get at-large bid. Zero chance. Even if they were to go to the final, beat Utah State again, and then lose to Nevada, no chance. I don't care what you say. Is am I? Can I say it with that 100% certainty, Eli? Yes, when you lose to Brown... No, Buck now. Buck now. Yeah. Oh was, yeah, yeah. You have okay. Well, you with UNLV and even with San Diego State too. Yeah, Ivy. If you lose to Brown, if you lose to Air Force by yeah. double digits, and then if you lose to Cal, which hasn't won a Pac-12 game since last hold year, on, I, have, I have to dig a little bit. Oh, since uh, they had a prior head coach, right? <laughs> yeah, February third, two thousand eighteen. Uh, Cal has lost all but one game since. Last December, it's fifty-four weeks without a Pac-12 win. Yeah, so that that tells you all I need to know. Utah State, Nevada, the only teams that have a standing chance to get to the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid. So, so yeah, just root for Utah State to take care of business, and uh, we'll have two more teams in the NCAA tournament this year out of the Mountain West. And not to go too far ahead, we'll wrap really quick. I would say, what do they always, what do they typically say about NCAA tournament runs? You want a good guard playing a good big man, right? Yeah, yeah. Utah State, Sam Merrill. Come on, I'm just saying you got guys out there. And Kata can play like this about anyone. Kata, so I, I like how the roster is constructed for the, the postseason run. One last question here. Mm-hmm. Kata's a freshman. He's pretty good. Any chance he's like APL American freshman team? Um, I don't think so. I don't think he has that much publicity yet. Nope. Zero publicity. Yeah. I, and playing for Utah State, it makes it tough. If he played for a team like I don't know. If he played for even Nevada or UNLV or San Jose, I think he'd have more recognition. But uh, he can be he can be the Mountain West hidden secret for now. He, I don't think he really cares. That's why I just curious because he's been playing quite well. Um, and also, let's take a quick moment. It's so funny about Zion Williamson. Not funny, but I guess it's a funny scenario. Not him getting hurt or Nike blowing the shoe out. The argument over – I just want to pull up the tweet. You've probably seen it about, hey, go pro. Don't go pro. There's a good piece. Ricky O'Donnell's like, Zion Williams should do whatever the heck he wants, which is true. However, you know the, the $10, $20 challenge? Hey, pick a starting lineup of five people. Oh, whatever. yeah. You'd see that one. The NCAA <laughs> yeah. challenge. You have $1.1 billion to pick a starting five. Who are you taking? And they're all $0. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. It's, it's so, true, though. It's true, but it's like, it's, I saw that. I'm like, that is hilarious. So 
I don't care if you think he should go. And also, is it a coincidence really quick the NBA PA is trying to change the lower age limit like two days after or the next day that came out back to 18? Gosh, so all the reactionary to that stuff is crazy. Hey, I, P, PGs are good shoes, though. That's what I wear when I play basketball. <laughs> I'll it. still defend them. Just don't go with the Puma, right? Come on, don't tweet that out. Come on. No, 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 no. Don't do that. That's... Or Skechers. I don't want anyone else to chime in on this. No, it, 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 it's weird. <laughs> it happens, but it's uh... – I, I know that lowering the age limit was in the works already. It's just, oh, it happens to come out like the next day. It's like, come on. Yeah. Really? Um, hope he gets better. I really quick, do you care? Like, I know he's the insurance, but only if he drops past pick 16, which is kind of odd. You think they'd be higher to get that payout. But he's not going to drop below that pick. Like, if I'm him, like, I get not to play, but I would just, like, if I'm fine to go, I'd play, right? Is that how you feel about it? That's what I would do, but I. It's. This week has sucked because all the people that want to chime in on what Zion Williamson should do or what the people around him should do or what he should be told is just so, so, so stupid. I think just, like, do whatever you want. I think if you're spending time online commenting on what an 18-year-old should do with his life, then you need to go outside and get some hobbies or something because it's just ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I just I hope that he gets back and is as healthy as he can be um, because it – the, I was thinking about this the other day after his injury. Obviously, this is his only season that he'll be in college. And so, selfishly, I want him to play as many games as possible because the college game has never seen anyone quite like him and probably won't for many, many years to come. So, we obviously want to see him play as much as possible. But, hey, if he wants to call it good, he proved what Fine. he needed to prove, it'd be my guess. He, he deserves all that he gets from here on out. I'd also add... That's like a one in a billion injury or is situation. Yeah. Like a it's shoe blowing out. I know his size is huge. Yeah, the shoe might be constructed better or whatever. But here's – well, I'm looking at it a million times. Like he took a step back. So his foot didn't go through the, like the sole of the shoe. It went up enough falling back because your feet go up. It like went through where it's sewn essentially up above there where it's not as strong as the actual sole of the shoe. Not that we need to break down how the shoe broke, but it's not like it just – it's it's just it's a it's a freak thing, and you're gonna slip and fall. Like he could have had the same injury had he just fallen. Like say he did the exact same move, shoe didn't break, which did cause him to slip faster and harder. But had he just gone back and slipped, because let's say somebody sweat in the floor, there's just basketball courts they slightly mop it up every time to keep it dry. What if there's mm-hmm. some sweat or somebody slipped on it, fell down, shoe didn't break? I'm I'm assuming everybody with the shoe busting is why they're freaking out but just don't do this i know Stephen a goes should he walk out on his team like that's not how you put it but people maybe go listen to his podcast which i do not recommend ever because he knows he knows nba basketball he's worked too much but here's my point do what you want to do if you want to play great if you don't play great but it's not a i'll go back to college football really quick joey Bosa from ohio state had a early season injury fairly severe probably could have come back but like the final week or two of the regular season Mm-hmm. after missing like whatever I don't remember what week was but early on he's like why would I come back from a fairly severe injury which Zion's is not severe and come back and play for two weeks take another month off before the bowl game or playoff <laughs> this I get March Madness is close but this isn't an injury that takes it's not like he broke his foot or it's not something where uh, that is going to last as far as we know it's a fairly minor injury probably missed maybe a week total he's not something where he might be back by mid-March for a tournament run this is something where he he'll probably very likely be back, miss one game, and be back in a week, maybe two. Like he's out the Syracuse game, like it's not a severe injury where he should 
rush to come back for three games, like say they make sweet because they can make the Sweet Sixteen without him. Mm-hmm. Why would he rush to come back if it's that bad of an injury just to play those games? It's not. This isn't that type of injury. So with this being the case, just do what you want to do. I probably lean to play with it not being that bad, but I get people have an opinion on everything. I guess we are too, but don't tell him what he should needs to do or should do. Yeah, that's my opinion. Don't have an opinion on it. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like, this, like know, it's, it, it's ridiculous. It could be like if it's me, what's a great situation? Sure, I'd probably try to play, but you're not in a situation, so you mm-hmm. can rationalize it out. Like, okay, here's reasons why or not. And here's the thing too: it was before we even knew what the injury was. Like, I know we're not talking about West, but whatever. We'll deal with it, folks. But there are people saying he should go, like, as soon as he hit the ground, the shoot broke, go to the NBA right now, don't play. It's like, really? Or even Scottie Pippen two months ago said he should just sit it, sit it out heading into ACC play. It's like, those are extreme. Waiting a couple days to know how bad it is. What if there was no injury at all? They just took it out because I've bummed my elbow, I've bummed my knee where it's like, oh, it hurts so bad. Or you hit your head a little bit on the corner of piece mm-hmm. where it hurts like an hour, like, 10 minutes or something like oh it just it's a weird feeling because it's a, a nerve spot on your body where it's not a big deal like your funny bone what if it's something like that or he lost his breath like oh crap i feel like something where pain is instant and hurting but then it goes away like how dumb would those people say if he just lost his breath or if he tweaked his funny bone or hit his knee and not what go knee to knee where it looks severe people yell they put i oh no it's like oh he goes knee to knee he goes to the locker room he comes back with an ice pack out doesn't return well, it's because it's a knee to knee, and those are weird and are fine in like a little, you know what I mean, a little bit of time, like not even a day. It could have been really bad though. That could have been a yeah. torn ACL or something. Oh, oh, definitely could have. But that's why I'm saying that people need to chill and hold out. If you want to talk about it a day or two later, once you know what the injury sort of is, then you could have the conversation. But don't. I get why people do it, but it's like it's not responsible to go into depth with due to you know what I mean. Injury equals that. But I didn't want to get too far yeah. into it. But I mentioned like, come on, just let him play. Let him decide. Yeah. You're not. Whatever, I don't care. Anything else Mountain West we need to relate on end on because that did not go whatever. We 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 took a hard <laughs> left there. <laughs> yeah, it happens. I uh, I don't think so. Just uh, enjoy the games this weekend and if you do want to see multiple teams in the NCAA tournament go from the Mountain West, you definitely want to root for Utah State when given the chance. All right, and we'll be back um we'll see when we're back. Taste Friday, February twenty first. Twenty yeah, no, twenty second, excuse me. I don't know. We'll be back next week sometime. We'll see. So mm-hmm. check out all of, all of our stuff on the website. Um, listen to this podcast. Download our other podcasts or football. Same feed. So just uh, kind of see when we pop up. Check Twitter. Check uh, Bedker underscore Eli. Um, yeah, check uh, MWC Wire on Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Subscribe. Tell your friends. And see you next time, folks.